Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Beers, Bases, Battlestar Galactica podcast. I'm your host, Hunter, here with Ethan, Chucky, and Josh. Uh, we got the boys back from last week. Um, we're going to discuss a few different things that's been going on in the sports world. Uh, a lot of us know that the Braves have been white hot. The Cardinals have been on a roll. We've got some prospect updates for all the baseball fans. Uh, preseason has started in the NFL, so we'll talk some winners and losers from week one. And then uh, heading into that, we've got college football coming down the pipe in September. So with that coming up, we're going to do some uh, some Heisman predictions. Uh, Josh is going to kind of give his rundown and, and discuss uh, who who he's on the lookout for to take home the trophy at the end of the year. So we've got a lot of exciting things coming. And uh, like I said, we hope you guys enjoy the show. Um, to start off with, though, you know, we're, we're big Braves fans. As everybody in this podcast knows, 75% of the people on this call right now are Braves fans. And they've been absolutely outstanding lately. Uh, they're 12 and three in their last 15 games. They've got a two and a half game lead in the uh, in the NL East. Um, on top of that, you know everybody expects Freddie Freeman to put up MVP numbers like he's doing. But one thing I like about this so far is Dansby Swanson has been absolutely mashing the ball. Uh, Austin Riley is hitting tank after tank. It seems like every night he's he's hitting dingers. Um, he's got 11 home runs in his last 24 games. 26 home runs on the year. And uh, like I said, Dansby's batting 379 since July 22nd with eight homers and almost 30 RBIs and 20 runs scored. So, you know, the the boys in the NL East, they've kind of taken back their crown and um, looking forward to closing out the, the second half of the season that way. And uh, so if you guys want to join in and comment on this, um, you know, what are y'all's thoughts on the Braves so far in the second half? Uh, it's a lot better, I think. You look at the deadline, and the, especially the ones that they made at the deadline, I, it, it's helped them tremendously, right? We talked about Jock Peterson. He's been he's been pretty good, but it's really Jorge Soler. It's Rodriguez. It's it's the big names that they got at the deadline, and they did what the Mets didn't do, and that seems to be what has pushed them over the line so far and got them in the first place in the East. Yeah, and 100% with that, I mean, getting Rodriguez, you know, to put to put him in the pen with Will Smith, we know that's a, a nightmare in itself most days. Um, it's always an adventure when he's on the mound, and getting somebody who like Rodriguez who can come and actually shut the door and leave you with a little worry in the ninth inning is, is huge for us right now, I think. I agree. So, but uh, – but yeah, so like, like and like we also said, Ozzy Albies. I don't know if you guys watched it, but he had a walk off home run the other night that still hasn't landed. Yeah, it, se- it seems like everybody's clicking at the right time. It's not just one guy, and it it's all the way down the lineup. Everybody is producing, and that's what you have to have, especially when your star player's out. Yeah, and and I think too, you know, you look at the numbers the infield's putting up. This team has what it didn't have in the first half. I know we just you just mentioned the trade deadline, but. We have like this identity now of like our guys in the infield, they're just dudes. Like they they show up every single day and it's like, all right, you know, which one of these guys is gonna come out and kick ass this afternoon? It's if if, if it's not all four of them, at least one or two of them are showing out every night, it seems like. Yeah, they have they have depth and when you have depth, good things happen and that, that is exactly what's happening right now in Braves Country. Yeah. So and like we said, you know, we're we're over here twelve and three, but I think Ethan, you told me earlier. I think your Cardinals are what six and one in the last seven games. Yeah, six um, and one in the last seven. So it's been a lot better. Jack Flaherty comes back, things turn around. He's on the mound tonight. They're up three nothing on the Brewers. They're facing three Cy Young candidates tonight, or this this series, I should say. But it, yeah, six and one in the last seven, and it's been it's been really good to see Arenado and Goldie are. They're hitting it off at the right time. Tyler O'Neill's hitting bombs. Everybody's kind of clicking. It's just we're getting pitching help back. Miles Michaelis is back Friday. It's just things are turning in the right direction, and you look at it, and they're only three and a half games back in a wild card spot, especially with the Reds and the Padres kind of struggling these last few games. So it, everything's looking up for the Cardinals right now. Still not just – I'm still not looking overly optimistic about it, but – it, it is it is a really good sign. Yeah, and I, and I don't think you can count them out. Like you said, they're three and a half games back. I mean, the, the Padres are still really good, and you know they're they're fighting the Dodgers to the death. But you know, like you said, you, you can't ever count them out, especially you know when when August and September comes. 
a um, lot of games left to play. So I think I think what's important is their remaining schedule. I don't know exactly what it looks like, but you know, having some games against some of those teams would help go a long ways too if they can get some wins. Yeah, we got we have the Dodgers coming up. I I'm pretty sure we have the Padres on the schedule as well. Wait, we have ten games remaining with the Brewers. And we got some hopefully win me games in there with the Pirates and some other teams like that. So I mean it especially with the Dodgers and those other teams, it's gonna be tough there in September, but there there's definitely some games there where they can where they can gain some ground. Yeah, and, and I like you said, I think they've got a good chance to make some moves, so we'll kinda of keep an eye on them going forward throughout the rest of the season. Um and like I said earlier, we've got Josh and Jordan on the on the podcast as well. Welcome back, guys. Um, you know, what What have you guys thought about watching watching our boys the last couple of weeks? I know you're both Braves fans as well. Uh, glad to be back on, guys. Um, been slacking on the baseball watching, as usual. Uh, have kind of kept up with their little winter streak they got going on, 12-3. and three, I think that's what you said, Hunter. Um, saw Ozzy's walk-off. Uh, just great to see the boys back rolling, rolling. Hope they keep rolling into, into – um, September, and we'll see where it goes. Yeah, um, man, it, it's so it's so much fun to watch when a team gets all the momentum going and is as hot as the Braves are. We're we're swinging the bat well. I've got to watch the last couple of games, man. Everybody's hitting the ball. Duval hit a couple home runs in the Marlins series um, that closes out tonight. And like I said, man, it's just exciting to watch that team really get on a roll. It'd be what they were supposed to be at the start of the year, even without Acuna. Um, so I am super excited for the rest of the year and hope we can make a run in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I really like what you said there about uh, Adam Duvall. Um, I feel like, you know, anytime the Braves and the Marlins get together, he's going to hit at least one home run. Uh, I saw the other night he put a dent in the wall somewhere. So I uh, thought that was kind of funny. But yeah, it, you know, whether I saw somebody say the other day that. They they thought Don Mattingly was ready to you know he was just cringing his teeth watching Adam Ball hit dingers against them, and I'm I'm really glad Anthopolis brought that guy back. I mean, think about it the other way. I mean, he was absolutely mashing when he was with the Marlins and he was facing the Braves. So yeah, it was huge that AA could bring him back, and he's helping the Braves now instead of the Marlins. Yeah, and and I think uh, my actually my computer's frozen at the moment, but I think the ball is actually. Close to leading in RBIs, if I remember right. Or yeah, he he's he's right. He is getting a ton of RBIs. I know. I don't know the exact number, but you are correct. He's got a ton of home runs. Sure, he's got a lot of strikeouts, but I mean that's what you expect out of a power hitter. But I mean, yeah, he's he's doing everything the Braves are asking him doing. Plus, playing a great left field. Yes, and we definitely need like all the outfield help we can get. We we love to see a guy you know come in and contribute right away from a trade, and it's really nice to have Duvall back. Um, I got a little thing to add in there. Uh, so I know I know everybody in here, we like to bet a lot. Uh, we like some, some sports gambling every now and then. Um, what is the over-under today? And this is something funny that happened this week that everybody pointed out. But what's our over-under on how many times uh, Josh says he agrees with somebody 100%? I would say, I would say at least 20. Yeah, I, I was going 20-25 at the max. I'd be right around there. Yeah, I think I think that was our funniest comment from last week. Was uh, a, a lot of people noticed that, but you know, I think it's funny. I think it's a good thing. Kind of kind of makes makes me laugh a little bit, but but uh, yeah, I just I just had I couldn't resist not not throwing a little shade. Put um, it on a t shirt, Hunter. Put it on a t shirt. It's going on there. Uh, I agree with every you know one hundred percent. Our first t shirt, actually, we'll do that. Yeah. First merch drop. First merch drop coming soon. Um, but, yes, I think now is, like, as good a time as any. You know, Ethan, you mentioned depth earlier. Uh, you know, I know I know Jordan, like he said, doesn't watch the most baseball, but Josh and Ethan and I keep up a good bit with it. Um, Ethan and I, we love prospects. We talk about them all the time. We love seeing teams develop and grow players in the farm system. And, you know, while we're on the subject of the Braves and the Cardinals, I think now's as good a time as any to, to discuss a couple prospects. Um, I know we each have one in mind, so Ethan, why don't you take us away and discuss uh, who you've got on on your list and uh, tell us what you like about them. All right, well, the first person, and really the only person I'm actually going to cover today, is 
2020 second round composition pick is Alec Burleson from the Cardinals. And he's actually a guy that we got for Marcelo Zuna. So we lost Marcelo Zuna, Braves signed him. We picked up the comp pick and we draft Alec Burleson. So I think it all ties in together. Braves, Cardinals, it's a nice flow there. But yeah, he's a 22-year-old outfielder and he can just straight up hit. He can hit for average. He can hit for power. And like I said, he was drafted last year, and he has already moved up all the way through the ranks, and he's all the way at AAA now at 22 years old. And he is a, he's hitting 288 with a 340 on base percentage. He has 18 home runs, has 98 hits. He is just doing everything right, and he's playing a pretty good right field as well. He's he's a little stumpy in the outfield, but he, he just hits. And, I, I mean, that's really the main thing I love about him. He's moved up quick. He's young. And he's got a lot of service time left in him. Yeah, and I, I think one thing for me, because he's not a guy that I know a lot about, um, but what what sticks out, you discussing, you know, that the kid just hits. I mean, 98 hits, and we're not even through the end of August yet. Yep. It just defer, I mean, it, especially with this as being his first year in the minor leagues, because last year got cut short with COVID, which sucks. I mean, it, it took away some service time from him, but he comes back from that, and it just doesn't even affect him. Starts out. And single A, and he is all the way up to triple A right now within this single year. It's just, it's impressive. Yeah. Like, and at 22 years old, I mean, that's, I feel like kids these days, they just, you know, coming into the league, they get there so much quicker now than they used to. And I guess, you know, that probably goes to the amount of, you know, training and stuff like that they, they have access to these days. But, like, that's just really impressive to be that young and put that kind of a season together in your first year. Yeah, and P, I mean, nobody is talking about him. I mean, he is the Cardinals' number 15 prospect. He's not even in the top 10. He's not a Walker or a Libertor or a Gorman-type player. I mean, it's just it's it's awesome to see he's super young coming out of Eastern Carolina. The Cardinals almost draft somebody from there every single year, and they've, they've had good luck with it. So, I mean, it's, it's great to see, and it's especially for a prospect that's not talked about a lot. Yeah, and, and like I said, too, he come – Tying it in with the Braves, he come in the from the Azuna pick or was the pick from the Azuna signing and trade. Um, I mean, like I said, I don't think you could ask for anything else. And 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 two, like like you just talked about too, he's he's not someone you hear about at all. When when you talk big prospects, you always hear about the Bobby Witt Juniors, the Julio Rodriguez uh, guys like that. I mean, um, you know Spencer Torkelson, all all those type of guys. But you you know you got guys down there, like you said, he's a fifteenth ranked prospect or so. And, and he's just putting together just a great year um, yeah. all over the place. Yeah, and that's just in the Cardinals' rankings, too. Like, he's, like, 15 overall in the Cardinals' top 30. So, I mean, he, he's not even close to cracking the top 100 prospects in all of MLB. So, I mean, that just shows you that how much depth these teams really have in the prospect system if they draft well. Yeah, and, and I, I think, you know, good teams – this is – I firmly believe this from a football standpoint, from a baseball standpoint – the great teams are built from developing prospects. Um, I know we've talked about the Dodgers before, and everybody thinks they just go out and sign whoever, but the Dodgers develop a lot of their guys internally as well. A ton so, of guys. I mean, you, you can't go wrong with, you know, being able to develop a player a player like Burleson. Especially with how deep the MLB draft is, you don't lose. Like, it, like let's say you strike out on your first-round pick. You don't lose there. You you lose when you when you're scared to spend money in those later rounds. And the Cardinals these last three years that you know I've really been in depth with their prospects. They they have been absolutely great with how they. It's kind of risky. They spend some money on some high school kids that turn out to be great in these later rounds. So I mean that's where that's where the Cardinals get their money's worth is in these second, third, fourth, fifth rounds, and they're on out, and they still get a decent. They still get a decent pick within the first round where they can save some money. So they, I've really been impressed with how how they've been these last few years. Yeah, and and I, I like and that goes to show, like you said, it's not always the first round pick you hit on. There there's so much depth just throughout a, an MLB draft. I mean, there's great players found in the in the late rounds, and Hall of Famers all the time. So, um, like I said, you don't have to nail that first round pick every year, but. I guess we'll transition though from you know we, we've talked about Burleson, uh, we've we've hit on the cards a little bit, but let's get to a couple Braves prospects. I know I have one, but I'll let I'll let Josh cover his first uh, since he kind of stole my first one. But 
Um, he's got my boy down there that's actually playing in Mississippi. Uh, they're playing at Montgomery tonight too. So um, he's actually going to cover the catcher, and I'm going to cover the pitcher for tonight. So, Josh, take it away and uh, let us know what you got. All right, so I got Shay Langliers. He is in – I like Hunter just said, he plays for Mississippi Braves. That's double A. He got drafted in the first round. His year, he's having a great year. He's batting two sixty nine with 19 home runs, 42 RBIs, and an eight seventy nine OPS so far. So he's absolutely absolutely raking at the plate. Um, all Everything that I've read on him coming out saying that he was going to be the offensive catcher um, kind of has gone by the wayside. He's still a really good defensive catcher, but he is turned into and developed into a power hitter, which is what you need at this day and age in baseball. You want home runs, you want RBIs, you want people to exit velo, all of that. And I think he's the Braves um, catcher of the future for sure. I know we have a couple other prospects. I kind of hope uh, Anthopolis – uh, starts moving some pieces around, using those as some trade bargaining chips. Um, Wilson Contreras and those those guys, and move those guys around. Um, so I'm just excited about Shailene Lears. You know, we went, me and Hunter actually went to Montgomery to try to watch him play a uh, month or so ago. And ended up playing. So, Hunter, we may need to make a trip to go see if he plays <laughs> this I'm, week. I'm- I mean, I'm down to go tomorrow night. I mean, the the kid, like you said, he he just he kind of came out of nowhere at the plate. He everybody knew, like you said, defensive catcher coming out first round pick. Maybe we developed a hit, to, you know, some of his hit tools. But like, he's only one home run back of the lead right now in the in the Double A South. So um, sitting at 19, the leader's got 20. I mean, he's he's just been absolutely raking. Uh, it's fun to watch. Like you said, right now the, the Braves at the major league level they've got Travis Darnold. Um, but like you also mentioned, we've got Wilson Contreras and Shea Langliers, and you know I don't I don't really see them trading either. I think it would make an interesting trade chip if we had to do it. Uh, but I think a you know a backstop with a future consistent of both of those guys is going to be really dangerous when you can alternate them in and and just kind of let both of them do their thing at the plate. Yeah, I don't I don't know if you see them trading them right away, but I it's I think it's going to be hard to keep both of them happy. If that makes sense. So I mean, yeah. both really really high prospects for the Braves, both really good catchers, and they're each going to want playing time. So I. I Hopefully they can make a, find a way to make that work, but I just I find that interesting. Yeah, and and I think eventually, like you said, like one guy eventually is going to want to be you know he's going to want to be the guy behind the plate. Um, he's not going to want to rest all the time. He's not going to want to sit. So I mean, I guess down the road that's probably a couple years away, or who, who knows when it really is. But I guess like at some, at some point, a decision possibly would have to be made if they keep developing the way they are. Yeah, I, I think, you know, and I, I like what Anthopolis did at the trade deadline, you know, getting Solaire, Duval, all those guys that we got at the deadline. And like I said, I just uh, – like Ethan made a great point with that, you know, eventually one of those guys is going to want to be the guy on a day-to-day basis. I know catchers can't play every day, you know, wear and tear on the body, all that. But eventually one of those guys is going to want to be the guy. So why not use – what the momentum you have with their high prospect ranking and try to turn that into somebody bigger that you to fill a need and try to win. I think that's, I think that's the reason I'm going that way. But um, yeah, that's just, that's just what I think. Yeah. And, and um, I think you just made a really good point that sometimes I catch myself being, you know, your typical Braves guy that's on Twitter because a lot of us, you know, we over the last few years we've we've heard this prospect's great, this guy's great. We've got Pache, we've got Waters, we've got Kyle Wright, Bryce Wilson, Ian Anderson, all these guys. And like you said, sometimes you you've got to be able to cut a prospect loose and and trade them. You know, when they have some value, because eventually it's like they just get stale in the minor leagues and nobody wants them anymore. Or you know. That's that's the only asking price a team is going to put on your team when when you want to trade for one of their guys. I remember like last year, a couple of years ago, 
any trade the Braves wanted to make, it had to involve Drew Waters or Christian Pache. So, you know, kind of before you let those guys stall out, I mean, it, I guess it'd be worth considering a trade. Um, I don't know what y'all's thoughts are on that, but but I know Ethan and I have had that conversation about, you know, the a lot of times they've let Kyle Wright and guys like that just kind of get stale. Yeah, you especially look at it this year with Pache, who has been struggling with some injury issues, which, I mean, that – that happens, but he has been really, really rough so far in AAA for the Braves. He, do you expect him to come in there and either be the third or fourth outfield option for them in the big leagues? He gets injured, which absolutely sucks. He can't really control that. But then he gets sent down, goes to a minor league rehab, and they expect him just to literally rehab, then come up. But then after that, I mean, he has just absolutely struggled all year long with them. And, yeah, I mean, they, they had the option where they could have traded him for some bigger pieces last year. But, I mean, he still is young. He's still 22 years old. But at some point, you know, you, you have a lot of depth. You have a lot of pieces. And you got to look at your – got to look in the mirror and ask, is this guy somebody that we want for our future? Yeah, and like, like we said, I, th- I think, you know, it's unfortunate when guys get hurt and things like that. But um, sometimes if you're out here pursuing a championship, you've got to sacrifice some of the young guys in order to – to get a ring, I know, I guess, you know, at, at the end of the day, last season, that would have helped us a ton to have extra starters or, you know, if we would have pulled the trigger on a, you know, we may we may not have let game, you know, let the Dodgers beat us in the NLCS. Who knows? I mean, that's a lot of what ifs, but um, sometimes you, you just got to make the move. And if it costs you a prospect, then that's just a chance you got to take. Well, I mean, look at it. You Duvall goes down last year in the postseason. There's an extra outfield option if you if you pull the trigger and you give up one of your two big pieces. But at the same time, maybe these guys are somebody that they see or, you know, they have a lot of service time and they see a lot of future uh, brightness in those two. So I, it's just it's, – it's tough to say. But, I mean, like you said, it, people go down, you need depth, and they, they could have had that last year in the postseason, especially with Duvall going down. Yep. And I feel like that's when it shows up, you know, that kind of stuff shows up when you need it most, um, that you didn't make the move. It it shows up when you're in that crunch, when, like, the game's on the line. That's whenever you're kind of like, man, I wish we'd have done this. Absolutely. So, um, well, I've got a guy, you know, like, while we're still on the Braves and stuff, I know we we talk a lot of Braves. Maybe in the future we'll expand in, in future prospect segments on some other guys around the league. Um, but one guy that's been really hot lately uh, is Spencer Strider. Uh, he pitches in double A, and he was actually starting tonight in Montgomery uh, with Shea behind the plate. Um, and, you know, he's a guy that when you, you – one thing, like, Ethan and I talk about a lot is not to pay attention to their record because a lot of factors go into a pitcher's record that some some stuff's out of their control. Um, but – when you, whenever you're looking at a pitcher, I mean, Spencer's a high strikeout guy. Actually, before we came on the podcast, uh, I think it was third, second or third inning, and he struck out the side um, in Montgomery. So he was kind of already on a roll. Um, and then, like, he's had a couple 12 strikeout games, I believe. Um, he drafted out of the fourth round from Clemson. He's uh, And he's just kind of been a guy that, like, like we said earlier, you know, you can draft a guy in the first round and you may hit or you may not, but he's kind of been a really nice pickup for us out of the fourth round so far. Yeah, I, I really like him. His fastball is really good. He's got a above average curveball. It just, he, he ranks nicely. He's really young still. And his numbers are flawed in, in the minor leagues. And you can't really pay attention to the numbers all the time in the minor leagues, especially when it comes to pitchers and catchers. Those are always the two that I look at past those numbers because each one of those takes either a short amount of time or a longer amount of time to actually develop into what they're supposed to be. So, yeah, he's he's really good. I mean, he like you said, he's a big strikeout guy, and he, he's pitched a lot of innings this year. His ERA is a little higher than I'm sure most people would like to see. But all, all around, it's, it's a great fourth-round pick, and it, it looks like a high future pick for the Braves. Yeah, and, and like we said, high strikeout guy. Um, he's actually right now, he's kind of cruising at this moment. It's it's uh, leading into the fifth inning, so he's pitched four innings, uh, zero runs, zero hits, one walk, and five strikeouts in four innings so far. They said he's touching like 90, 96 to 99 on the bump tonight. Um, so he's just 
throw a gas in Montgomery right now. And kind of into like, you know, with them playing down there, we always like to pay attention to that. But a guy that Ethan's not a big fan of, and this will be kind of the last prospect we hit on, but uh, our boy Braden Shoemake hit a dinger. So they're up one to nothing. Uh, he actually hit one the, the night we were in Montgomery watching him play. That's good to see I, because he's been another guy that's been absolutely struggling this year. And he's had some time to figure it out. He still kind of hasn't. But, yeah, I'm not exactly high on him. But, I mean, I'm I'm always rooting for prospects. doesn't matter what team they're on. They, they really do – they struggle every single day. They get paid pennies. They live out of hotels, in and out, not great hotels. They don't they have good meals. All around, it's not a very good lifestyle. And, and those guys that can grind through it to make it to the big leagues, I have ultimate respect for. So it's great to see that he's doing well tonight. Yeah, and I think that's a good like future episode for us is, you know, probably when things kind of die down a little bit, we we really just need to get into covering like what it's like, you know, what's a day in the life of a minor league ball player like? Because, because like you said, they stay in you know crappy hotels. I've seen guys that are eating like lunchables for meals. Like they're, it's just rough for those guys, and and people think they live this rock star lifestyle, but they they really don't. Yeah, nowhere near. No. Um, well, I think that's a, a good point to kind of wrap up, you know, the, the baseball segment of the show. But uh, we haven't forgot about Chucky over there. He still exists, whether people believe it or not. At this point, we're like 30 minutes in. But, um, you know, preseason week one was this last week, and we were all kind of glued to our TVs discussing some games and stuff like that. So, uh, Chuck, why don't you give us your winners and losers from week one? Man, it was great to have live football back on the TV this week. <laughs> Uh, missed it for so long. Uh, just starting out, uh, most people, winners and losers out, most people would think I'm picking teams, but I'm really going to dive into the players. Um, first off, I've got uh, the Broncos, their quarterbacks. Drew Locke came out. He's always been a very high-energy, high-going guy. Um, came out five for seven, uh, 151 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Really took over the offense in the first quarter. Um, played really good. And then you got Bridgewater on the backside there in a competition. Um, Bridgewater's kind of your more casual quarterback. He's laid back. He's going to game manage, do everything correct. Um, Bridgewater ended the day with uh, – he was 7 for 8, 74 yards and one touchdown. Uh, and they went over the Vikings – um, that'll be an interesting competition. Uh, like I said, you got Drew Locke. He comes out. He's guns a-blazing. He talks a lot of crap. Um, really hypes up the team. And then you got Bridgewater, who's – I wouldn't really say a vet, but he's he's getting to that status. But um, he's more of your game manager, going to do everything correctly, keep you out of trouble. Uh, and the Broncos really, uh, compared to last year, I know Drew Locke got hurt, but – their offense is actually, I think, going to make a big improvement this year. Uh, Javante Williams uh, had a good show, and I know he broke a pretty good long run first quarter, got called back on a penalty. But uh, I'm actually I'm very surprised to be saying looking for a decent year out of the Broncos' offense. Um, next I got uh, is a guy that I realized that I left off our sleepers last week. Kind of did it on purpose, but kind of didn't. But Felt like I needed to talk about him. Uh, Josh Palmer played at Tennessee. He is now on the Chargers. Uh, he's going to be their number three wide receiver. Um, most people are calling, saying that he was the best player on the field during that preseason game. Um, he was a big, strong, physical wide receiver at Tennessee. Um, they let him kind of – he ran a bunch of short routes, crosses, hitches, and uh, – Got targeted six times, had five catches. Um, I'm looking at him late round fantasy, hopefully, if nobody else steals him. Uh, you got, they lost Hunter Henry, and uh, Mike Williams, as we all know, is a pretty big injury risk every year. Um, I know I'm rolling through these kind of quick, but. No, you're good. Um, I, I was going to stop you for a quick second. So if you, if you had to pick right now, Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater? I I enjoy Drew Locke, like just the intensity he brings, and I love that he dances on the sideline pregame. I love that he's not afraid to get into a defensive lineman's face and go back and forth. Uh, 
Bridgewater, he didn't have the best year last year with Carolina. Um, he lost McCaffrey, and he's he's been bouncing around his whole career. But I really think he's solid. But Drew Lock, Drew Lock for the intensity factor. I think uh, if I want to go to war on the football field, <laughs> I think I want him. If he's my choice between Bridgewater, I want him as my quarterback. Yeah, I can I can agree with that. I think I think he plays with a lot more fire for the game. Um, like you said, he's He's a he's a lot riskier. Uh, he's gonna probably attempt some throws that he shouldn't, but like you said, he's not not scared to get anybody's face and, and trash talk them. Um, he'll probably do it when they're down thirty. He doesn't care. He just does what he wants to do out there. So um, that that's just all I kind of had. That was a quick question I had for you regarding the the Broncos QB situation. Oh yeah, and then my next one. Uh, I know we talked about last week Carson Wentz coming back. Uh, Jacob Eason looked pretty good. Um, dude throws has a freaking cannon. He throws fastballs. Um, he went 15 for 21 with 103 yards, uh, no touchdowns. And then uh, Sam Ellinger, uh, horns down, had to do that if we have any Texas fans watching. Um, he ended up 10 for 15 with 155 yards and 30 rushing. He looked – I watched him in college a little bit. He is very quick, surprisingly. Um, he looked really good, even against this NFL talent. Uh, he had a game-winning drive. It was very fun to watch. Made it feel like I was watching week one of regular season. Uh, but it'll be very inter- interesting to watch them battle for the uh, backup because I'm, I'm betting now as much they're talking about it. Wentz is back by week one. Uh, yeah, I, I think so, too. I, I think uh... – like, like we said, Wentz and um, who is their offensive lineman? I can't think of his name off the top of my head. But, uh, I always want to say A.Q. Shipley is Quentin. Quentin, Quentin Nelson? Yes. Yep. Quentin Nelson, the man, the myth, the legend. Dude is a monster. Yeah, he, he uh, he's a Diesel's only guy for sure. So, surprisingly, they had the same, pretty much the same exact injury. They said that uh, Wentz is, was from high school, just something he broke off in his foot and – Apparently, through all the years he's been playing football, it just now happened. Of course, Carson Wentz luck. Um, and then Quentin Nelson's was just kind of oddball. Um, but I'm hoping both of them are back pretty soon. I haven't heard anything on Quentin. Yeah, I think they're, uh, they're, both their timetables, from what I've read, are, are pretty similar, um, especially with it being the same injury. I think they're both planning to be back week one. Um but yeah, like you said, Carson Wentz just the worst look ever. I feel like at this point he's gonna be made made out of metal by you know within the next five years. And what made it worse is as soon as that happened, they started talking about Nick bringing in Nick Foles, bringing in this <laughs> and that, and of course that happens to Carson Wentz. <laughs> Nick yeah, Foles that, coming back. <laughs> I, I would have laughed really hard if they bring in Nick Foles and all of a sudden they go to a Super Bowl again. <laughs> But yeah, uh, moving on to my losers. Uh, it hurts me to say this, but uh, it was very painful. Uh, Taysom looked about the same as he did last year. Honestly, he might have improved a little bit, got the ball out a little bit quicker. But uh, interception, Jameis, of course, threw an interception. Um, it's still up in the air of who I would choose to be our quarterback. I know it's preseason week one. He doesn't have all his starters. Um. But still, it's Sean Payton's got to figure something out quick, or I might not even watch the Saints this year, honestly. Think you uh, think they can beat my Falcons at this point? Oh, we ain't worried about the Falcons. Bring, bringing up Falcons, my next loser. This is kind of a shot at Hunter being a Bama <laughs> fan. I've always said since AJ McCarron played college football that they hyped him up. Of course, he's Bama boy. He's Gonna be an NFL superstar like Mac Jones, which Mac's got a chance, but AJ, in my opinion, never did. Uh, he had a pretty crappy showing as the Falcons back up. And he started the game, went five of twelve with thirty-six yards and an interception. Um, their next quarterback is Felipe Franks. He looked. I'm, I'm not really sure on his stats, but I'm sure he had at least fifty, sixty rushing yards. He broke off a few runs. Looked very athletic. Um, felt like he took over the offense a little bit better than AJ did, but like I said, I got to throw that in Hunter just because ever since he came out of college, 
I've been telling him that. Yeah, I think uh, I've done a little bit of growing since he came out of college. Um, if, you, if if I were to go back now and like watch him come out and probably go through the draft process, I'd, I'd just say he's got like a wet noodle for an arm. Like, <laughs> 100%. He, he just he, – he couldn't throw it through a wet paper towel, I don't think. Yeah, for sure. So, um, and not not to butt in, but I just got a notification. Freddie Freeman hit for the cycle tonight. Hell yeah. So, let's go. Let's go. And I have one more. This hurts me to say. Uh, old buddy Tim Tebow gave us some hilarious clips in week one. But his short, short time with the Jaguars has come to an end. They cut him, I think it was yesterday morning I saw the news. Um, hopefully he just gets back with SEC Network, just give it up, or he can go hit dingers for the Mets organization. Look, I I think this is like a good time. I know we've been kind of more structured, but like I really just want to open the floor because I want to know everybody's thoughts on like Tim Tebow trying to continue to play professional sports. Because my friend Taylor asked me about this today. She goes, "Hey, what are you guys going to talk about? You're going to talk about Tim Tebow?" And I was like, "No," because my blood pressure is going to go up, and I'm I'm gonna be freaking furious in about five minutes because I just feel like he's a guy that like doesn't know when to quit. Like you don't just all of a sudden at 34 say, Hey, I want to be an NFL tight end. As as we all know, he's got the heart of a champion, dude. He feels like he can do anything. He sets his mind to. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw him in a WWE ring later this year. Just, just, just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. It's very true. At some point, he he's got to look himself in the mirror and say, and just give it up, man. Like that, like watching him play tight end was painful, man. He he put on a bunch of weight. He bulked up to try to play the position, and kudos to him for trying to do it. But man, it was ugly. Old buddy, slow, didn't don't know how to block. I mean, it was ran ran pretty poor routes. I watched I watched the game, um, and man, that that was just rough. I think he. It's better served, like Chucky said, going back to the SEC network or making appearances because he does have a great following because of the person that he is. He is a great human being. He's one of the best human beings probably on planet Earth. I love the guy personally, but as far as his athletic career, man, he's got to let it go. God almighty, that was ugly. Yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Tebow the person, but Tebow the athlete just really grinds my gears right now. Which I, I think it's just because, like, you know, we watched him in AAA. I, I know Ethan's paying attention to some of his baseball stuff, but, like, he was just ho- taking up a roster spot that somebody probably more deserving could have been in. Um, I'm sure there were a bunch of tight ends out there that would that would have been better on the, the Jaguars this go-round than, you know, than Tim Tebow. I've heard that argument, but you got to think about it. Not every great – like, there's not the be- the best football players – in the United States of America and not on the NFL. Like, not all of them are in the NFL. Everybody's taking somebody's position no matter what. And I honestly thought this was going to be kind of an inside thing with him and Urban. Uh, he, I didn't really think he was going to make the team, but he would eventually play maybe two, maybe the full preseason and then uh, end up in some coaching role or something. That's honestly what I thought this was going to be. You, you know, you know, you know. One reason that I thought of is, uh, you know, he's going to sell a lot of tickets in the preseason games. With nobody, not a lot of people go to him. And you know, you think about it. Last year with COVID, not having fans, maybe the owner, you know, general manager, whoever, Urban, whoever made the decision, thought, hey, you know, this is going to bring in some money. So why not bring him in, give him a shot, sell some tickets, make some money? I could see, I, I could see that thought process behind the scenes for sure too. Yeah, and Tebow is a Jacksonville guy. This, I think he he was very high in jersey sales right after he signed and all this stuff. I feel bad for those people that got a – well, they'll probably still rock their Tebow Jaguars jersey, but um, I'm pretty sure he was top three at one point as soon as he it was announced he was signed and they got the jerseys going. He was one. He was one? He started out as one right when he signed. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> These are – and they're probably like the $250, $230 jerseys, the big ones. So they definitely rolled some money in there. But it's 
it's kind of a sad end that this is the last we see in Tebow. Tebow being a professional uh, athlete, but bring him to the XFL. Well, we can always throw on his old Florida clips and watch watch those and relive the memories. But this will be the last thing that sticks in people's brains, as far as NFL fans. And and I think that's like I guess that's my biggest thing because like I told Teddy, I said. So we can look at him like, you know, taking up roster spots and just wasting space out there. But at the end of the day, I don't want to remember Tebow the baseball player. I don't want to remember Tebow the Jaguars tight end or the guy who attempted to play quarterback for a couple of years. Like he he should have just called it after that Broncos game where all that happened and then like the next year was kind of rough and he played for the Jets for a minute. Like after that, he should have said I'm done. I'm a TV personality. Let's rock out and make a lot of money. For sure. Because I, I just feel like, you know, his legacy at this point is kind of lost. Yeah. Yeah, I can definitely see that. But to me, that he's the second most exciting college football player I've ever watched other than Cam Newton. I'm sure there's some old heads out there that aren't going to agree with that. But from my lifetime, I'm young. I'm 23. Watching Tim Tebow <laughs> and watching Cam Newton. Those are two of my favorite, most exciting college football players I've ever watched. Yeah, and, and I think now that you've kind of spoken on that, like this gives us like the best time. You know, we've we've talked Heisman trophies. We know that Tebow's been a Heisman finalist three times, but um, you know, Josh, what are what are some of your, I guess, predictions or or who are your top guys that you see contending for the Heisman this year? What what you got on that? Okay, so number one, and I think this is an obvious one, is Spencer Rattler out at Oklahoma. Guy's a guy's an absolute stud. Threw for a lot of yards last year, a lot of touchdowns. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting um this year with them. They lost some pieces on that team. Um but they obviously have a lot of talent. They still have Lincoln Riley as a head coach and they play in the Big Twelve. Uh the Big Twelve does not play very good defense. I know, you know, your casual f- football fans always talk about it, but like it's it's a true thing. Uh, you watch a Big Twelve game; it could be sixty-three to fifty to fifty-six final. You know, it's they're going to put up a lot of yards. They're going to score a lot of points. And if Oklahoma is a, is as successful as they have been in previous years, I can very well see him being, you know, getting a trip to New York to to attend the Heisman Trophy. I don't know if he wins, but I feel like he's definitely going to be in the conversation at the end of the year for sure. Um, the next guy I want to go into, and this is going to be, uh, it's not a Homer pick. It's no, none of that. I hate, I, I'm not an Alabama fan by any means, but Bryce Young, the, uh, court, he's going to be a starting quarterback for Alabama this year. Alabama's offense with John Mechie, all those receivers, Ajayi Hall looked unbelievable in the spring game. He's a true freshman out of Florida. He's a four star. Absolutely mossing people in the in the spring game. He's an early enrollee, just got on campus, comes out there and just starts mossing on everybody. And that was pretty fun to watch, even as an Auburn fan. I'm just a football fan, man. That that was that was really exciting. And of course, you know, it's Alabama. They're loaded with talent. They're all you know, it's and it's not and the thing people don't really realize, they see the recruiting classes coming year to year, is that they're good on the depth chart, one through three. Even if that guy's a true freshman that's sitting back there, he's still a four- or five-star guy every year. He's a dude. He can play. He'd be playing anywhere else in the country more than likely. So that thing is, the thing is, is that's a machine. It's going to keep rolling. They're going to score a lot of points. They're going to be in the national championship conversation. It's Alabama. They're going to be there. So if Bryce Young puts up the stats that he's capable of putting up, I could very well see him winning the Heisman Trophy this year. If Alabama has a really good year, he puts up a lot of yards and does what Alabama does or has done under Nick Saban. I can fully see that happening. My only question mark with him is, um, and I don't like the guy um, personally, but uh, Bill O'Brien is the new offensive coordinator there. Uh, he's, uh, If people don't know, he was the head coach of the Houston Texans for the last few years, yeah. and it was an absolute shit show with him as the head coach. Um now, I know Saban's in control. I understand. I, I get all that. 
But, you know, if he hands the reins over to Bill, I don't know exactly what's what it's going to be like. But, you know, he does bring NFL experience. I think he's going to be effective, obviously. It's re- it's not very, you know, they're going to be – they're going to score points based on their talent alone as long as you don't screw it up. That, that's, what, that's how I feel like with them. Um, the kind of the other guy I wanted to go into, um, this is kind of be – this is just kind of going to kind of be – because I feel like the Heisman's kind of turned into a team thing. If the team has a really good year, the guy puts up a lot of stats, he's going to get the invite to New York for sure. But I feel like Sam Howell from North Carolina, they score a lot of points. Matt Brown over there has got that offense humming. They scored, they scored I think, I can't find it right now, but I think they scored 40 points a game last year, something like that. They put up a lot of points, and they're going to challenge Clemson this year with that offense. Deami Brown, uh, they lost him, but they have they still have talent in that offense. That's a very well-run offense. It's a very new-age, RPO-style offense that Sam Howell is just thriving in. And I could very well see him this year turning into and running away with it. If, he, if they have a good year and they beat Clemson, have a good year, beat Clemson. He goes off those for 500 yards, five touchdowns, no interceptions, that kind of thing, that he gets there and wins the Heisman. I could fully well see that. I, um, I was really hoping you were going to say Sam Howell because that, that's my guy. Like, I'm I'm a big Sam Howell from North Carolina. Like, he he just is a baller. I mean, you know, he, he had an outstanding freshman season, followed it up last year. He's going to be in contention, you know, Everybody right now is saying Spencer Rattler's number one pick, um, you know, next year's draft. We've, we've seen that narrative before where a guy comes in, he's, you know, projected first overall, and then he falls down the board later. I, I think Sam's a guy that can come in and, and have that really good year, like you said, potentially take home a Heisman and, and climb the draft board a little higher too while he's at it. Yeah, yeah, he's going to be a guy that, he, you know, reading, reading the scouting reports and things like that, he, he's a guy – that if he has a really, really good year, he could jump into that number one overall pick discussion. Depending on who the number one overall pick is, they need a quarterback. You know, he could be that guy. I, I think he's going to develop into a first-round pick this year. Um, I think th- I think if he had came out this past year, I think he still probably would have been a first-round pick um, just based on his sheer potential. But, I was about to say, do you not think he's already a first-rounder? <laughs> yeah, I think he's already a first-rounder, but I feel like – I think I'm, I'm really getting at is he could be challenged. Yeah, the top guy, Trevor, uh, not Trevor, um, Spencer Rattler, as the uh, as the for the number one pick. I, I could very well see that happening uh, this year if he has a just breakout. You know, he's already broken out, but just a baller year and goes off and wins a Heisman. I feel like he could definitely do that. Yeah, e- Ethan and Chuck, do y'all have any other? potential candidates or anything like that? Just just touching on the Sam Howell. Uh, they've got a big first game, big for ACC meetings, uh, Virginia Tech, Friday night, uh, 6 o'clock on ESPN. So that'll be a good – September 3rd is the date. It'll be a good primetime game kicking off the season for him to make a damn statement coming out of the gate. And uh, he's, he's real exciting to watch. He's – if I remember right, he's real quick, got real good athleticism, and uh, he's going to be an exciting player to watch. Uh, like Josh said, Mac Brown, hell of a coach. He's got that uh, North Carolina Tar Heels team running and uh, hoping for a big year for him. I like him a lot like you do, Hunter. Yeah. Uh, it, it, oh, I'm sorry. I was just on the uh, Chucky, that's a good point with the Virginia Tech game, and that's a big that's a big thing that goes into the Heisman is that when you get a stage like that, you get a Friday night game. It's going to be on prime time. It's the start of football season, and everyone tunes in, and you ball out. That's going to get you votes. So that that's another thing that goes into the Heisman that plays a it plays a big factor in the in the voting process. So if he goes out there, balls out game one, it sets the tone for the rest of the year. And I think that's it. He's going to stay in people's minds if he goes off. And that's so I think that's definitely a primetime game. And I'm glad you mentioned it, Chuck. Yeah, Ethan, it sounded like you had something you wanted to throw in there. 
Yeah, I, I'm not expecting this guy to win the Heisman, but I think he could he could be a guy that you see early in the rankings. Um, I'm not a huge college football guy, but from watching the Alabama game last year against Notre Dame, uh, this is probably my favorite running back. So coming back to college football is Kyron Williams from Notre Dame, and I have a lot of friends that are from the St. Louis area. That's the biggest team around there is Notre Dame. Actually, Kyron is from St. Louis, so that was cool to see. But, I mean, he had a touchdown, 64 yards against Alabama. You, I mean, that's that's honestly a pretty good amount of yards for a running back against Alabama. You usually don't see that. But I, I really like him, and I I expect him to be have a really good year. I, I think that's a great dark horse pick. Um, just because, you know, I, honestly, I didn't know much about him. Like, you, you mentioned the long touchdown run. Uh, and, and from what I've read, he's kind of on everybody's list as far as being that potential sleeper for the Heisman. Um, you know, if he comes out and has a great season, he might be, you know, the only running back that gets invited to New York. Yeah. I mean, he, he had a, I mean, he had over a thousand yards last year with 13 touchdowns. And I, I think it's definitely, I think he's one of the best running backs, if not the best running back coming back. So I'll, uh, I'll kind of throw in my, I guess my dark horse, which there's a couple guys I like, um, I could throw some shade at Gus Malzahn and throw Malik Willis out there. Uh, he's kind of projected nowadays to, to become a first-round pick. Um, I've seen that in multiple people's draft boards and mocks, um, and they're you know it's way too early to really tell. But if he comes out and lights it up, uh, you know he's going to have to put up a ton of stats to get an invite. He's kind of similar to how Case Keenum used to be at Houston, where he'd come out throw for six thousand yards. But what competition do they play? My actual. Dark horse, I guess, you know, Sam's my favorite. Um, that's the guy I'm rolling with. But I like, uh, I don't know how to pronounce his first name. It's Beyond Robinson out of Texas. Um, I think in a Steve Sarkeesian offense where a running back can get a, potentially get a bunch of touches, uh, I think I think that guy's going to feed. And I think, you know, I don't know what you think, Josh, but I think he's really going to kind of put up some, some great numbers and, we all know, you know, to to be a running back and win the Heisman, that's what you got to have. You got to put up those unrealistic stats. Yeah, um, I like Bajan Robinson, uh, especially with Steve, Steve Sarkeesian coming in. I think he's gonna, you know, he's gonna revamp that offense, and um, it's gonna. I think they're gonna score a lot of points. I hope. I'm hoping for Steve that they have a good year, um, and he can rebuild Texas to what it is, especially with them coming to the SEC. Because that's only going to feed more competition, but yeah, I could see Bajon Robinson having a huge year, and especially in the Big Twelve, um, I could see him having a huge year and potentially going to New York. I like that. I like that pick, Connor. Yeah, I, I just think you know we've seen what Najee Harris can do. We've seen what Brian Robinson could do in, in that offense. I mean, Brian Robinson's a guy who I think is now like a fifth-year senior at Alabama. Um, I mean, you know, running backs tend to feast in Sarkeesian's offense. Yeah, if he runs what he if he runs what he did at Alabama, uh, you know, last year at Alabama with all of the RPOs and all of the all of the talent around there. I know, you know, Texas does not have the talent the talent depth that Alabama has, but that offense, regardless with the scheme, and they're going to have dudes. They've got dudes that can play. And they may not have as many, but they're still very talented players. And he puts them in a position to be successful. They can score a lot of points and be very successful. I I can see that one million percent. We just won't jump the gun and say they're back too early, right? Horns down. Horns down. Um, All right. Well, I guess, you know, we can kind of try, you know, we're getting kind of close to wrapping things up. Um, I had some some side notes I made that I saw right before we hopped on that you guys may find interesting. One of them, I think, especially Josh and Jordan, I think y'all are going to find this funny. And if Randy listens, he's going to kind of freak his mind out. Um, the first one, Jordan, I don't know if you saw this, but Kevin White uh, signed with the Saints, former first-rounder, picked seventh overall for the Bears back in the day. Um, really thought he was going to be a stud. Uh, kind of didn't happen. Um but a big-bodied receiver, you know, somebody for Jameis Winston to throw jump balls to, I guess, in the red zone. Um, but the other side note I have, and this is kind of – its I, I was not expecting to see this, but I don't know if you guys ever hop on Twitter and see, like, what's trending. Um, like, sometimes it's great things that trend. Sometimes they're, they're funny things. Sometimes they're terrible things. Like, last night, Chris Bassett trended for all the wrong reasons. Prayers out to him. 
Um, he got to the line drive to the face. Uh, but today I saw Ric Flair was trending. And at first I'm like, all right, Ric Flair, he's an old guy, wrestling legend. Um, he's probably, you know, he, he it's either a hoax or he, or he died last night. Who knows? No, I literally clicked on, uh, you know, him trending and Ric Flair was caught on a train munching carpet. Like just going down on somebody, and I just thought that was the funniest shit ever. And and he denies it a hundred percent, but it's just hilarious. I thought y'all find it funny. That's that's hilarious. I did not see that. And as a nature boy, he can do whatever the hell he wants. He'll leave yeah, him the what's he say? He's a diamond ring wearing limousine riding. Yep. Woo. Jet <laughs> flying. Son of a gun. Damn right. Yeah, no, I just, I chalked that up on things that I didn't have on my bingo card for what to happen in 2021 was, you know, Ric Flair at 70 years old, just doing, you know, laying pipe on the train. So, um, but yeah, you guys, you know, we've got a little time left. Y'all to run through like a first round mock or, or what are y'all feeling? For sure. We're going to, we're going to do like our positions or we're just going to talk in a group as what we would think should go. Yeah, let's let's do what we would think. Let's go like our first ten picks, and um, we'll start. Ethan, you can go first overall if you want. Um, And then nobody needs to have their pick they have in the draft, though. So I have pick six. I don't need to wind up with that. So I'll go like I'll go second or fourth. I'll go after Ethan, I guess. If I go one, then I'll I'll have fifth. Oh, do you? Okay, I'll I'll go one. All right, I'll go two. Ethan, you go three. Josh, you go four. Yep. To me, the one pick's obvious. You got McCaffrey. He was hurt last year. Dude, the points he scores on a week-to-week basis, if he's healthy, is just crazy. Uh, I know they got Sam Darnold coming in, but I don't see it hurting him too much. But McCaffrey's the number one overall pick in, what, the past three, four years? Uh, I think you lost your mind. Only thing I can see is I had Dalvin Cook last year. He carried me all the way to the championship game. The last four or five weeks of the season, he was putting up 35, 45 points a week. But McCaffrey's the number one overall pick, no doubt in my mind. Yeah, I like that one. And and since I'm two, like you you just mentioned Dalvin Cook, um, I'll go ahead and take him at two overall. I, I know I had him a couple of years ago, and he that was when he had his leg injury, like everybody that I draft in the first round. Happens every year. Um, you know, my team is just riddled with injuries all the time. I'm terrible at fantasy. But, but Dalvin Cook at two is kind of, a, for me, it's it's the next best thing. If you can't have McCaffrey, who's a PPR machine, uh, you, you take Dalvin Cook in the two hole, and um, you just roll with that, you know, for the whole season. I, I think he's a guy that's, he's going to put up a lot of yards. Uh, score score you a lot of points, and he's going to win you a lot of games, too. Yeah, with me at three, it, um, one thing, it's kind of tough because you can kind of move in a couple different directions. You got Kamara there. You got you got Henry. You got you could even go Zeke if you wanted to go pick him that early. But personally, I, it's tough to say, but I would probably – I mean, even though Kamara, the situation with the quarterbacks kind of – Risky there, but I I still go him at three, especially with how good of a year he had last year. Um, but yeah, he would be my third overall pick in a ten man PPR league, especially PPR. Yeah, then uh, you know with the four pick, I'm going Travis Kelsey all day. Travis Kelsey is by far and wide the best tight end and faded from fantasy purposes, far and wide. Um, he is like getting – he's basically like getting a top-tier running back. He's You look at his points. You look at how the volume he gets from Mahomes in that offense. They throw the ball all over the place. Travis Kelsey gets a lot of targets, gets a lot of yards, scores a lot of touchdowns. He has been the number one tight end for the last three or four years in fantasy. You've got to take him there because I'm telling you, when it gets past Darren Waller, and George Kittle, those top three guys right there, when it gets past those three, it falls off a freaking cliff for fantasy purposes from the tight end position. You can find value in the late rounds, but without, you know, those three guys are by far, far and wide ahead of everyone else. So that's 
Ethan, I'm sorry to mess up our little roll here, but who did you take? I kind of I missed it. I, I took Mara. You took Mara there? Yeah. Okay. Um, I think here, um, I think I'd have to go Derrick Henry. I like Zeke this year. He's dropped 15 pounds in the offseason. Uh, if Dak stays healthy, I think it helps him a whole lot. Um, but Henry, with they added Julio, is going to open up. The offense, the dude's a, he's a wrecking ball. Um, he's going to run for, he's going to get those touchdowns, uh, red zone touchdowns. He's going to do everything. If Tannehill can hold up, I think that Titans offense will have a big year. So uh, Derrick Henry's my, my pick right there in the five. I like it. Uh, Ethan, I guess you're back up at six. Uh, yeah. With that said, him taking Henry there, I would, I would probably go ahead and take uh, Elliot. I, I drafted him in my league that I did the other day. I even got him at ten, which was crazy to me. But I would definitely take him at I would definitely take him at six there, and that's another valuable running back, top five running back this year. So with being running back, I, I would double up and go Kamara and Elliot, and I think that would be, I mean, that would be super elite. Yeah, and I think as long as Dak is healthy, Ezekiel is going to put up elite numbers. Yeah, I mean, you look at you look at Elliott's numbers when Dak was healthy; it was it was pretty intense. Yeah, he it gives them just an extra boost having Dak on the field. Uh, and since you took uh, Zeke, this is kind of funny because Josh and I had this conversation earlier. He's picking seventh in our league, um, and falling right into his lap is his favorite. Wide receiver. I think Josh said he was number one wide receiver than last year, uh, but you know Devontae Adams coming around. Um, I think I think you have no choice but take him at seven, and I think he and Aaron Rodgers are going to be on a complete war path this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm fully expecting them to uh, to go off this year. Um, you know, with all the Rodgers talk this this you know off season and. You know, Devontae, Devontae is trying to get a big contract. I don't know if, he, if any of y'all uh, know about this. He's been in contract extension talks with the Packers, but that has completely stopped because he wants to be the highest-paid receiver in the league. So this is basically like a contract year for him. So I guarantee you he's going to go off this year, um, especially having Rodgers back. So I'm excited to see what he does this year. So that's a great pick at seven. My pick at eight. It's got to be – man, it, it's really tough right here. Um, I got a couple of different way, ways I could go. Um, I love this guy. Um, Tyreek Hill is who I'm going with at eight. He – everybody knows who he is. If you watch the NFL, you know who Tyreek Hill is. He's the fastest player in football. He's challenging Usain Bolt to a race, which I think is crazy, even though Usain Bolt's 40. <laughs> but the guy's absolutely a stud. He is run after catch. He catches screens. He can catch a short pass, catch a slant, and take it 80 yards in the blink of an eye. So he is a big play waiting to happen every time the ball snapped. And now with that, you do have issues with him. If he doesn't get the ball a whole lot, you know, doesn't get as many touches in a game, whatever, he may have a bad week. But I think with the boomer butt with the butt with the boom potential there. Because he can go off for 45 points at any given week. So that's that's the guy I'm going with right there for sure. Well, Josh, thank you for your insight on what I should do on my eight pick. But uh, I'm going to throw a wild card in here. It's not really a wild card, but I'm going to skip over Jonathan Taylor, who would be, I think, next in ESPN's rankings, which is what we play on. Uh, he kind of scares me this year. Um, but that being said, I'm going to skip Eckler also. I had him mm-hmm. last year. He got hurt. Uh, I know that Chargers offense is going to be explosive, but a guy I've had my own for a while, Aaron Jones. Hunter mentioned it uh, with A-Rod coming off of MVP season. He's been in Hawaii all offseason, living his best life. Came back a week before training camp and – as we've seen videos and the talk out of camp, he is, I think he's primed for another MVP run. And that just, Aaron Jones out of the backfield, Aaron Jones everywhere. 
Um, I know I had A.J. Dillon as one of my uh, sleepers. Um, he might steal a couple touchdowns in the red zone, but Aaron Jones is an absolute stud, and that Packers offense is going to be very explosive, and that's who I'm going with. Yeah, and I guess I'll round it out here um, before we wrap up. See, I'm like you. I'm still going to skip Jonathan Taylor. I just don't trust it. So kind of the rankings I'm looking at right now, they just leave me with, like you said, guys like Eckler, Antonio Gibson, D-Hop, and Stephon Diggs. Um, I read the other day that, you know, the Redskins plan to use Gibson the way that Carolina used McCaffrey. So I think at the 10 spot, I mean, he's not a he's not a bad pick, especially in our draft. If you're at pick 10 and you're going back-to-back right there, you can snap Gibson and then you can go D-Hop or Stephon Diggs, you know, 10 and 11. So um, I don't think, you know, any either either way that combination works out, I don't think that's a bad plan. And I think I think Gibson's going to do a lot of things on a, on a Washington team that I feel like kind of tends to surprise people given their, their lack of talent at the quarterback position. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, their their defense is so good. It's going to keep that offense on the field. And Antonio Gibson is somebody I've kept my eye on also. Yeah. So, well, any of you guys got any other closing comments or anything you want to discuss? Or I think I'm about done. Uh, y'all just get ready for domination. It begins Sunday with oh, our yes. draft. Sunday, three, three, three o'clock on the dot. Thanks to Hayden, we had to move it back. It was scheduled for two. But we moved it back to three a little bit later in the afternoon. Give Hunter an extra hour to stress about who the hell he's going to draft. But it should be a very interesting Sunday. I'm showing up with a a four-foot whiteboard and all my player rankings and breakdowns. (laughs) Hope hope Ethan gets to join us. I I actually will not be able to – we have a – cookout for the we have a softball cookout that i have to attend on sunday and i'm actually barely gonna be able to make the draft but i have it fit in where i can where i can draft and still make that so i won't be there live but i will i will be there spiritually yeah we we will have to uh we'll have to send you snapchats or something there will there'll be plenty in the group i'm sure of of things to to come perfect so josh you got anything else or or how you doing over there Oh man, I'm good. Just just pumped for uh pumped for Sunday, man. Uh I'm interested to see how the draft goes and I'm really interested to see if anybody's gonna be able to knock me off my throne. But I don't see it happening. So good luck. Suck Look look, this this is my year, okay? I'm feeling it. Big time. Say uh, that every year. Hey, eventually it's gonna hit though, you know. Um, but cool. yeah. Well cool. Well like I said, we'll we'll catch you guys at the draft. Uh Next week, you know, we'll we'll discuss um, kind of the highs and lows of the draft, what happens Sunday, because uh, what happens at the draft doesn't always stay at the draft. Um, I hope it's pretty wild. I'm looking forward to having a good time. Um, probably going to have a few brews, some crazy stories to tell coming back next week. So uh, we'll see you guys then.